0: Good morning. Welcome to Behind the Scenes at the Hanover Theater. This is Sarah Garofalo, and today I'm speaking with somebody who is in their THT rep debut. We are very excited to be talking to Jenna Lee Scott.
1: Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me.
0: Of course. We have The Marvelous Party, presented by THT Rep, coming on Friday and Saturday. That's May 12th and May 13th at 7.30 p.m. It's about 70 minutes, and you can purchase tickets on our website through our tiered ticketing system, so it's a generally pay-what-you-can sort of system, but I do want to jump right into things and talk about the show. So Jenna, tell us a little bit about The Marvelous Party.
1: Yeah, so The Marvelous Party is, uh, it's a concept that was created by our fearless leader, Olivia, and she has based this party on the um, the poem by Noel Coward and has incorporated like really fun pop songs, musical theaters, you know, repertoire, just things that you just want to hear and dance to, to kind of throughout the night with amazing interludes with piano by our wonderful pianist Catherine and it's just a fun night oh I love it so last night was the dress rehearsal and so I did hear
0: murmurs from my colleagues that were able to attend last night and I heard that it was just an absolute blast they've got those cool colors up there you know the the pinks and the purple lights and and I heard it's it's you know it's a different kind of vibe than the previous shows in the THT rep season. You can walk around, you can grab a drink. So for those who are on the fence, you know, they're not quite sure what this is about. What can you say about the Marvelous Party that, you know, might draw
1: someone in? So I think it's just a really fun time to just relax and kind of um, have fun with people that are near and around you or people that you came with. It's like a really cool piano bar kind of vibe with some really fun entertainment in between. And it's like, it's like going out like we used to before all the pandemic stuff happened. You know, this is like a really great way to kind of celebrate coming back and having that first full live, you know, season for, um, yeah, for this company.
0: Well, you absolutely just sold me there. That sounds so <laughs> fun i'm and I'm super excited. I know that you can dress up, you can dress down, and you know just have fun and be yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about the characters in this show? Is it correct
1: to call it a show? How would you describe that? So I would say that this is um very different from a show. I would say it's it's more like interactive um it is you know, these little, maybe I would call them vignettes, Um, and it's really incorporating the words of the poem and kind of acting it out musically with um, the characters that we play, but in just more of like a general representation, not like a literal take. Um, Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And I don't want to give away the whole soundtrack or anything, but can you clue us into your favorite song during the evening?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I think it's got to be just like one of the songs that um I get to sing with one of my favorite people. Um, my acting partner, Mary Stupinski. um, we get to sing, girls just want to have fun. And that is just the kind of represents what the whole night is about is having fun. Oh, that's so
0: fun. And, uh, I know I just said I wouldn't give too much away, but I did hear that Mary sings Blackpink, which that's going to be a ball. I can't wait to hear that.
1: (laughs) It's a lot of fun. We get to sing it together. So it's, it's a blast. Oh, no way. That's cool. Yeah. So let's talk about you a little bit. I was
0: reading into your bio before we spoke, and boy, what a resume you have. The first thing that stuck out to me was that um, you did a voiceover for a video game, HRO, Adventures of a Humanoid Resources Officer, and that's coming out on May
1: 21st. Yeah, it's like around the corner. It's really exciting. So what's that like? You know, everyone plays video games. Everyone hears those voiceovers
0: in the video games. But how often do you get to talk to somebody who's involved in that process? Like, that's so cool.
1: (laughs) It was such a great experience. Um, I got to uh, play two different characters. So just trying to, like, um, you know, explore the different facets of the voice and, like, the characterization and the energy and different things like that. It was such a unique experience for, you know, a typical stage performer um, to make sure that the voice represents, you know, all the physicality that you you're doing. But, you know, because it's animated and it's on a, you know, it's a video game. It's very different. Um, but you do a lot of the same things, um, but making sure that that voice is activated with your with um with what you're, you know, what you would do if you were actually on stage doing it. So it was a lot of fun.
0: That's so interesting and so cool. Like, what a flex. Um, (laughs) I recently spoke to Louis Black, who voiced anger in Inside Out. Um, Mm -hmm. On the day this airs, he will actually be coming to the theater. Uh, He's coming tonight, if you are listening to this, on Friday, May 12th. But he said basically the same thing. He said that it was an extremely rewarding experience to essentially go from the stage to voicing something that's not a physical representation of the character. You know, it's, it's your voice and your voice is doing all the work. And I, I just think that's, that takes such talent. And it's definitely a lot different than being on the stage, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just a fun way of like um, being creative in a different way. And, um, and and kind of entertaining people in all different facets.
0: Cool. And so the first thing that I mentioned during our interview today was that this is your debut with the THT rep. So, and we talked a little bit about this before we started the interview, but you actually have a little bit of a history with the Hanover Theater. Uh, you were a conservatory teacher at one point. So tell us a little bit how you found your way to the Hanover Theater and how you found your
1: way to THT Rep. Yeah, so I um, I actually had gone to uh, several shows um, at the Hanover Theater and um, more specifically the Chris- uh, Christmas Carol and I had several friends who were involved and um, it was so fun to just be immersed in that theater, and they have this amazing thing that happens at the end where it just the whole theater just it starts snowing, and <laughs> it's the coolest effect. And um, I, uh, a few friends of mine that were in the theater um, or, or in the company, they were telling me, you know, hey, they were looking for some teachers, and they knew that um, I am also a teaching artist, so um, this was. I guess 2019 and so um you know went and had an interview and um and got to teach some amazing kids who just want to learn and have fun and uh and really got to um teach several classes in person and then of course pandemic happened so started teaching on zoom and that was a huge learning experience um And then, yeah, and I, and I got to be involved, um, in the, um, the young company, which was amazing. And we kind of created a a show that was, you know, um, written by the, the actors, the young performers. Um, and it was great.
0: Oh, I love that. And, uh, Going back to your resume here for a second, um, I'd be remiss not to talk about the two that absolutely caught my eye, which is, first of all, the woman buying a hot dog in the Bank of America commercial. Uh, I'm blown away by that. I mean, it's it's kind of a hot credit for me. (laughs) I mean... Listen, I would love to see that commercial. So if you could send me, send me the link, you know, but I will be, I will sure do that. Yes. Thank you. Um, And the other one is, I'm not sure if this is correct, but perhaps your first role, which was Rabbit in uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Oh, um. I love it. I love it a classic. Absolutely a classic. But you know, your your resume spans far and wide. Um, I saw that you were also in A Christmas Carol, um, a different production of A Christmas Carol. So you're no
1: stranger to that show. I'm not and I think I was really inspired by seeing the one at the Hanover Theater. Um, That it's just such a great story to, you know, bring you into the holidays. And so um, it was exciting that I got to participate in, in a version of my own. So, yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, you know, if you're ever interested in our production, we've got auditions coming up pretty soon. So <laughs> good to know.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: But before we wrap up today, do you have any parting words you want to say about the Marvelous Party or uh, THT rep in general?
1: Yeah, I would say that... Um this is going to be such a unique uh fun evening and it's really about just finding joy and um and having um connections and i think it's just like such a cool way of just kind of celebrating um the time of year and um and just being around people
0: i absolutely love that well, congratulations on your THT rep debut and welcome to the the family again. And I'm, so I'm much. very, very much looking forward to uh, coming to the Marvelous Party this weekend.
1: Oh, we're so excited. Please, everybody um, come buy tickets. It's going to be such a fantastic evening.
0: Totally. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you again. And everyone else, I will be back with you soon on Behind the Scenes. Welcome to Behind the Scenes at the Hanover Theater. My name is Sarah Garofalo and I'm super excited to be talking to a very special friend of the Hanover Theater today. Today we're talking with Clark Wilson, who you may recognize, who has been here many, many a time and is one of our favorite organists here. So Clark, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. It's good to be here.
0: We are very much looking forward to the double feature silent films on Sunday, May 14th. As we've mentioned in previous shows, this is a Charlie Chaplin double feature, and Clark Wilson is absolutely no stranger to the organ, but silent film scores. So why don't you introduce yourself for those who haven't heard of you before?
2: Well, I travel around the country doing this sort of thing all the time and have for A number of years now Um, i am the resident organist at the ohio theater in columbus now for 32 years and that's given me uh, many opportunities to perform films like this work films up like this but i do the same sort of thing for film festivals around the country and at performing arts centers like the hanover Uh, we do a lot of work in theaters and churches and uh, silent film of course has made a tremendous comeback if you want to call it that In the last 25 years or so, I remember when I was growing up that uh, it was kind of difficult to find silent film, particularly being accompanied uh, in an historic manner or with the organ. There were some TV shows where you could see a silent film accompanied by piano, whether it was appropriate or not. And after uh,
1: about
2: 1915, it really wasn't. Because organs had come into the theaters, and there were symphonies, and uh, the music was as big as the films were. And that's what I've really devoted my time to, is uh, in working up all of these films and, and doing my part uh, at promoting silent film and the uh, the art of accompaniment, is trying to do accompaniments that are historic and uh, in line with what you would have heard in a movie palace such as the Hanover.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know personally, I had never heard a silent film accompanied with an organ before coming to the Hanover Theater. So it's absolutely such a wonderful experience. And I'm a big film fan. I love watching movies. And I recently took a film class before I graduated. And I learned all about silent films and the silent film era. And so to be able to see that at the Hanover Theater. On, up on the big screen, accompanied by uh, your music on the, on the organ, is just a great experience. And if I'm correct, you have all these original silent film scores. Is that right?
2: Yes. Most of them are original. Uh, where there is one available uh, for things like Metropolis, things like that, I try to use the originals. Try to look up the originals and uh, see what they had to offer. Always you have to remember, even if you do find an original score, uh, you have to do a little bit of weighing sometimes about whether it is worthy of performance in today's world. Uh, you know, they cranked out an awful, awful lot of films every year in the 20s, and they also cranked out an awful, awful lot of scores. And they weren't all good. The films were all good. The scores weren't all good. So thom- sometimes you're presented with one that's weak. There's an original score, for instance, to Phantom of the Opera that is quite weak. It just doesn't keep up with the wonderful action. And uh, so almost everybody I know that does this in a historic manner does that same thing. They try to utilize uh, what there is, if it's good stuff, and fill in then in an historic manner, utilizing... Similar music, music of the time, same kind of thing that organists and orchestras did back in the twenties.
0: Okay, very interesting. So, do you have original scores for the two films that we'll be seeing on Sunday, which is the Kid and the Immigrant?
2: No, I don't, and I'm not sure that uh, that the Immigrant score still exists. There probably is one. Um, the Chaplin Organization has such things for. I believe, a number of the features, the major features of Chaplin. But uh, they don't usually release those scores uh, to anything but a full orchestra. So they're a bit difficult to come by. So uh, for this one, I've, I've done that compiling, as they call it, of drawing music from other sources. Typically, the great masters, opera, ballet, uh, transcription literature from symphonic Uh, uh, situations, and so on, and brought those together for the score. There are some popular tunes of the day as well. Chaplin, of course, composed most of the scores for his pictures himself. But he did that same thing. If you look at the gold rush, and he's, uh, he's borrowing Flight of the Bumblebee and all sorts of things from the masters. So they all did it sort of the same way.
0: Cool. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to hearing what you play on Sunday. Because as I said, before we got this interview started, I did attend the silent film double feature last year, which was also on Mother's Day. And it was a great, great time, a great event. And I highly recommend this year tickets are only $20. So like I've been saying for the past few weeks, grab your mom and make it a, a grand old Sunday adventure. But Clark, I wanted to talk a little bit more about you as, you know, a multifaceted, talented man. I was on your website and I read that you started training at the age of nine.
2: That's right.
0: Yes. That is unbelievable. So tell me, what was that like? You know, where do you find access to an organ to start training?
2: Well, if you are doing things the proper way, the first thing you do is take piano. Uh, that provides the building blocks for what you're going to do. It's like putting the foundation under the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the best players really in the world uh, point to that same thing. They started on piano, classical piano. And once they got so far on that, of course, somewhere along the line, you discover the organ. And usually that's classical organ. I mean, I was from a small town in Ohio where we didn't have any theater organs left. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I began to play the church organ. And after getting some record albums of theatrical instruments and loving the sound that was on those, I couldn't understand why our church organ didn't sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) I was to find that out before too long. Uh, Somebody who became a friend and mentor allowed me to uh, come in and play a genuine theater organ in a real movie palace over here in Canton, Ohio, and uh, it was just a, a revelation and I never looked back. That was what I wanted to do, was something to do with theater organ. I had no idea how I might do that because theater organ jobs don't exist like they did in the 1920s. Um, But one thing led to another. I went to work for an organ company. We were on a job. We wound up at a pizza parlor that had one of these theater organs in it. And long story short, eventually the organist left to go west and they hired me to play there. And that began a concert career and playing the theater organ all the time. And uh, that's gone on. But somewhere along the line, I began uh, to really specialize in doing silent film. And I was extremely lucky to have as a mentor, one of the few remaining silent film accompanists from the 1920s. And he was one of the very best around the Chicago area. And uh, being able to, study so to speak with him hear his ideas hear what he had to say on the subject it was just like taking courses it was it was like taking a film accompaniment course and then some because it was very personal and it was uh it was not only what to do with film scoring but it was all of the pitfalls to avoid if you wanted to do a good and proper score and he was such a learned man uh, it was just it was worth everything in the world having that opportunity, and uh, that is of course then the style that I've used all these years, the same sort of thing that he did with films, same thing he had picked up from some of the real real masters of silent film accompanying at the time. so it's uh it's a legacy that goes on, and I feel extremely fortunate to be a part of that all these years later.
0: Wow, yeah, I mean, and what a career you've had since all of this. Not only do you play the organ, but you also have your own pipe organ business that you've been running since the 80s.
2: That's right, yes, and amongst other things, of course, we did all of the tonal finishing, the balancing, and getting all the sounds to be absolutely correct on the Hanover organ, and that was a that was a tremendous uh, task and a wonderful task, to be involved with an instrument like that. This Wurlitzer organ that Don Phipps gave to the theater and installed with his crew uh, is one of the really, really large ones. Wurlitzer only built a few instruments like that back in the 1920s. They were in the huge Fox theaters and in the New York Paramount Theater on Times Square, and to have an instrument like that for the Hanover that duplicates all of those sounds that Don had pulled all of those different pipe stops together uh, to get that type of sound was really a thrill to work on because you don't get to work around an instrument of that magnitude all that often. There aren't that many.
0: That's right. And like you said, we are we are just so grateful for Don Phipps and the whole organ team that spent over 10,000 um, man hours putting this together and assembling it and maintaining it over the years. It's it's truly incredible. So for this to be in our theater is just an unbelievable experience. So I I could not recommend it more to come see the Mighty Wurlitzer in action, especially played by none other than Clark Wilson. But also on your website, I saw that you received a Technician of the Year and Organist of the Year from the American Theater Organ Society, and you're the only person to have done that.
2: That's correct, although I guess suppose we should update that because there is a close friend of mine over uh, around the Binghamton, New York area who has received both of the awards now too. He's a spectacular technician and uh, both a fine classical, and theatrical and silent film accompanimentist uh, organist. And uh, so he's gotten that, too. So the two of us share that. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, it's just the two of us. You know, one thing we probably should mention if folks are listening to this and are on the fence, you know, do we want to go hear an organ? You know, most people think of organs as marry them and bury them. (laughs) And uh, that's about it. Well, we need to mention that what we have at the Hanover, of course, is not a church organ in any sense of the word. It's more an orchestra. It sounds like a symphony playing, Mm -hmm. except even bigger, sort of a symphony on steroids, because there are these two huge chambers on either side of the proscenium March in the theater, that hold all of the components of the organ. What you see the organist playing is the console, and that's the smallest part of the whole organ. On either side uh, of that stage, these rooms are the size of small houses, and all of the thousands and thousands of components that are in there, and the thousands of pipes, to create all of these sounds of the symphony. And they do. The woodwind section, the brass section, the percussion section, with all of the uh, the tonal percussions, like... and the xylophone and the glockenspiel and also all of the drums and the cymbals and the tambourine and the different sound effects and so on everything that you would see on stage when a symphony plays uh, is contained in these chambers and that's what we're working with back in the day they called these instruments unit orchestras they were a one-person band uh, capable of rolling your socks up and down your ankles with power Whispering Like the Angels. So if you've not actually seen a silent film accompanied live in a theater like the Hanover on an organ like the Mighty Wurlitzer, you've not seen a silent film. Um, We're very lucky these days, of course, to be able to tune in on Sunday nights to Turner Classics and see the silent Sunday night presentations that they do. But when you sit in that movie palace and you see this on the big screen, particularly a comedy with an audience that really gets into it and the music is live, it's an experience and you have to live that. There's no other way to experience it
0: than that. And
2: uh, for our nickel, it's just the best.
0: I couldn't agree more. And You know, you need all four limbs to play this instrument. It is truly, it truly requires unbelievable talent. So I applaud you endlessly for being so talented on the organ. But so just to remind everybody listening, uh, that's this Sunday, May 14th at 2 o'clock p.m. There will be a Charlie Chaplin double feature with the silent films The Kid and The Immigrant here at the Hanover Theater. Tickets are $20 on our website, thehanovertheater.org. And Clark, before we wrap up, do you have any parting words you want to add?
2: Just to mention that, of course, these two films are comedies. Chaplin was the leading comic of the time in the 19-teens and 20s uh, around the world, the best-known entertainer and performer and probably the highest paid, and uh, so come prepared to have a good time, and to smile, and to laugh.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, Clark, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show today, and to speak with you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much, and we're really, really looking forward to being there on Sunday, and looking forward uh, to having a good audience.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you all there, and I will catch you next time on Behind the Scenes.